Hi guys, really quick one from me again, uh, just to introduce this Revive Stronger podcast episode, uh, because last week I spoke about the Martin McDonald held conference for Alan Aragon, um, and I wanted to let you know this time uh, that I forgot to tell you that ticket sales actually finish on the 2nd of November. So by the time this comes out, you're going to be wanting to get online and get your ticket as soon as possible. Um, that is for the Allen Aragon Conference that is held in Nottingham. Um, so if you want to come and uh, meet myself, meet Mar McDonald, and obviously Alan Aragon and Pascal will be there too, then make sure to click on that ticket uh, link below and you can go and uh, meet us there. So um, there be the last available tickets. They are not selling any after the 2nd of November. So make sure to get on that. Cheers, guys, and enjoy the episode. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm very happy to have a guest here who is Lauren Collin. Uh, Conlin. I may pronounce it, I'm awful at names, so I may have pronounced it wrong, but it's very exciting for me to have a female on the show. Um, and I know we've had many requests to have uh, Lauren on and to have females in general and more kind of perspectives from that angle, which I think is really important um, to get more people on and talk about these things. And Lauren is an excellent person to get onto the show because we do have mainly kind of physique competitors or people interested in manipulating their body composition. And uh, Lauren knows a lot about that. So just to give a brief background, uh, she is an IFBB bikini professional um, and a master's candidate uh, for exercise science. So kind of has the, the smarts and the look, uh, which is really great. Uh, and she's an online coach and entrepreneur uh, and the owner of Loco Fit. So many of you have probably heard of, or hopefully have heard of that brand already and uh, may have already heard Lauren on her own podcast that she's doing with Paul Revelia, who I also need to get on the podcast actually. Um, and they're doing a Redefine Healthy Radio. So I'll make sure that's linked up below so you can have a listen to that as well, because I'm sure you enjoy this episode and want to hear more from Lauren. So I probably skirted over a lot there, Lauren. Is there anything you'd like the audience to know more about you, who you are as a person? Because that doesn't really tell people much. Well, first, thank you for having me on, Steve. I'm so excited. I love podcasts. As you just mentioned, we have our own podcast, but I just love doing them. Uh, it's just like a good way to get information out that's a lot easier for 100%. me than maybe like YouTube or something more structured. Like this is just kind of like we just talk and like have a conversation. So, uh, I mean that I'm so terrible at introducing myself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I finished my master's about a year ago. Uh, I have a bachelor's and master's in exercise science. Uh, I did research during my master's that focused on uh, how different diets affect weight loss and weight regain. So that's kind of my specialty as far as my research area. Uh, I have an online coaching business uh, that, you know, nutrition training, and I also do a lot of just like posing consults and things of that nature for competitors. Um, I have a few sponsors and I have the podcast and uh, me and my boyfriend have a small t-shirt company. Like there's, I just have a bunch of different stuff going on, uh, but that, that was pretty much it. And I'm, like I said, I'm terrible at uh, doing the elevator pitch on what. 
<laughs> I need to get better at that. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's. I, I always like to give the floor to the, the person on the other end because I think just the fact that you've talked about yourself and the things you've achieved and are incredibly humble and you just get an impression for a person just from them describing themselves. So it's nice to hear kind of about you, about kind of you've got a boyfriend, you've got lots of things going on, which is exciting. Um, and yeah, just I think we're going to have a really good chat and definitely delve into some of your research you've been doing that's going to help some of these questions. Um, but something that did come up that wanted to be asked to you specifically was kind of how bikini in particular has developed over the years and kind of your experience of that. Um, I know recently it's been a bit of a hot topic with bodybuilding, well, natural bodybuilding kind of dying out. Um, and in my eyes, that's not necessarily happening. And I know there's a lot of conversation, but bikini certainly from, from my perspective has grown massively, at least from what I've been seeing. But um, there is a lot of Instagram accounts and uh, that does uh, end up kind of diluting my view. So yeah, how have you seen bikini develop over the years? What, what have you seen? So bikini has changed dramatically uh, at the amateur level and at the professional level. So when it first started out, it was almost kind of like a, I don't want to say a joke, but kind of a joke. Uh, and it was not, not to take anything away from that. It was just the way that it was was not necessarily like suited, I guess, for bodybuilding contests. But now I think it has a total place in that. If anyone has that kind of argument, I don't think it's very valid. Um, when it first started, it was very much like a beach contest, which is fine. Again, like that was what it started as. And the bikinis were even completely different. There was no real rules with posing. Uh, and when I first started competing, I actually was a figure competitor, which figure has evolved enormously as well. Um, and I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. And then even when I was making the switch from figure to bikini, I kind of still had that in my head, like, oh, I'm not a bikini girl. But in all reality, I actually looked like a bikini girl <laughs> and uh, not necessarily like a figure competitor. So it has changed a lot as far as the whole look, like the package is, if you go to an NPC national show, uh, which is in the States and there's, that's where you turn pro, there's six of them a year. And I mean, honestly, like the competition, like there's usually not a person who looks like super out of place. Like there's obviously, of course, all different levels, but for the most part, everyone's bringing it. Like everyone has an amazing suit, hair, makeup, tan, like they're posing, like they have the right jewelry, like everything is on point. And then the physiques have really, really changed over time too. So uh, for it's, it's really interesting. And every year, honestly, bikini changes. Mm -hmm. um, when it first started, it was just kind of like I said, like very beach body. That was really what it was. And then when it started really coming up and um, the first few years that it got more serious, um, think about people like Amanda Latona, uh, Nathalia Mello, uh, Diana Dahlgren, like those were the physiques that were at the top placings. And to me, that was like amazing. Like that was like the perfect blend of like muscle, but and leanness, but still like very full. Um, and then, so that was kind of like the original girls. And um, since then it has gotten away from that and it's gotten a lot tighter. Yeah. Um, and even when I turned pro three years ago, like I'll be interested, I'll be back at nationals this year and it'll be the three years since I turned pro and even the looks now are going to be completely different. So the coveted tie-in that uh, is very hard for females to achieve is really the, the huge thing that they're looking at. Um, from what I've seen at all the national shows, so for a while it kind of got away from that like Amanda Latona, Natalia Mello look. And then it slowly got into more hard and lean. And then they were like, well, we don't want bikini getting too big. So now they're just going for the lean muscular tie-in look. So the girls who are winning 
every that every show I've been at this year and every national show I've been at, they have solid muscle mass, but it's not you're not you're not very big. They're very tiny for all intents and purposes. So very lean look is what they're going for. Um, and you can even look if you look at the top five, top ten at the Olympia, the girls who were a little bit too hard and full were in the top 10 and then the girls who were tight and muscular but not too big were in that top 10. Mm -hmm. So they're really sending that message out that they don't want, you know, huge anything, which is nice, but at the same time it's very challenging still that if you don't have that tie in they they're not really looking at you. Um so that is as any female knows the most challenging part uh to usually dial in but so it's kind of this weird uh weird body type that they're looking for but it's it's athletic you know you have muscle you have to have muscle in order yeah. to have a, a tie-in definition so you can't like not work out <laughs> um now some people genetically might just have that but for the most part you actually have to have muscle for that to show but you they do want lean and very like streamlined look so it's been very interesting evolution over the years um and it you know, I think it's always going to continue to evolve, which is what I think is confusing to most people. Yeah. But figure has a very set look. There's very set poses. Um, and, you know, you either fit that mold or you don't. Yeah. With bikini, there's so many different body types that are awarded, which is nice. Um, but that obviously leads to very different judging criteria. So I think that people have a hard time wrapping their minds around that. But bikini is judged on so many other aspects. Um than just your physique on mm -hmm. top of, you know, the presentation and how you walk and how you engage the judges and all of that. So there's a lot of other things taken into account for bikini competitors. So that makes it kind of a challenging division as well as awarding all these different body types. Like if you look at the top three for figure or top four, even they pretty much have like, well, top three, really, <laughs> they have like a very set structure, right? Uh, if you look at the Olympia and I mean, those girls are just out of this world. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And that really is the look. With bikini, everyone's a little bit different. So it's just, you know, all different heights, all different structures. And you just kind of have to continue to watch what they're looking for, but also bring what you want to bring. Yeah. No, it's a really tricky thing because, well, you touched on loads of good points, but something I do would definitely want to get to is uh, you talked about the tie-in. And I just want to make sure the listeners know exactly what you mean when you talk about that. Um, just because there might be some girls or guys even listening who... They might have an idea, but they, I just define what you're meaning by the tie-in exactly. Yeah, so there, there's a mystical place on the anatomy chart, but basically it's where your glutes and your hamstrings tie in essentially. And when you're lean enough, you get this, you know, it's very defined. Mm -hmm. um, now, everyone genetically has very different glute and hamstring structures. So there are some girls who have very, very low set tie-ins, and it almost looks like their glutes come to like a point at the bottom. And other girls like myself don't have that. And it's more of just like a round shape that's just higher. Um, but I can still kind of get that definition between, you know, the glutes, the hamstrings, yeah. the adductors. And it's very, very challenging. Uh, I've still never had like rock hard tie-ins. And I mean, I've, you know, I've dieted a lot. And it's just a very challenging area. So there's some people who, like I said, are going to have more pronounced tie-ins just based on their structure mm -hmm. um and you, you obviously can't change that so you have to work with what you have uh and just try to get know that for a female that's usually one of the latter places to come in body fat wise yeah no I, <laughs> uh, of course <laughs> i always um for I, I, i'm fortunate i guess in the fact i have a good tie-in as it were um i know it's not like an 
like anatomy wise it doesn't really make sense to call it a tie-in or things like this but um so if people are imagining and we maybe we've got male listeners thinking kind of bodybuilders when you're thinking hitting a side tricep or side chest you've got the hamstring and the glute there some guys have an obvious kind of break point whereas other guys it's just kind of like you can't really see that there's that they kind of just mush into each other and the same happens with females like we've all got our own genetics so um no it's it's hard that that's such and it goes to show and it was making me think the whole time you were talking and that how the the sports do evolve so like bodybuilding went from like classic like um like classic physiques and now it's got much kind of monstrous large ones for the olympia like they're huge very conditioned and like natural bodybuilding has gone from more of a softer look to much like you have to have shredded glutes almost um and whereas other sports like football basketball whatever they might be it's like you either win or you lose whereas with bikini with bodybuilding and any of these physique sports they're very subjective and they can change with the judging criteria the judges the judging panel they're subjective and um when they're looking for such like things that you almost can't control sometimes like your glute tie hand like that 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 tie-in um it gets really really difficult and I think especially for females there's so many different divisions now and they're so becoming so kind of like hard to pick and choose where you are and there's no clear definition sometimes um it can be really challenging especially when they're evolving at such a rate um how if well, you and there's oh. so the thing with bikini at least in the states too is there is a huge difference between bikini and figure like yes. a very large distinct difference but within bikini there are girls who are just harder and then there are girls who are just softer so i would imagine in the coming years just based on how popular bikini is i would not be surprised if they do kind of have two divisions now i'm not saying it's going to happen next year but i would think that maybe in the next few years that would happen just because there almost needs to be that to happen because like even at the olympia there was i think 35 or so girls who had wow. qualified that's a lot of girls and there's a lot of different body types in there. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they do that at some point, but, um, you know, obviously I'm not in charge of any of that kind of stuff, but there are so many, uh, there's definitely a distinct difference. In, and we all know that there's some competitors who are just, just leaner people. And then there's other people who are just fuller. So, um, trying to, some people can't have that middle ground, you know, some people are either really lean or they're not conditioned enough. And then some people like they look really good, but they just never really get that rock hard look. So, you know, everyone's body type is different. So it, it can be very challenging to choose what division to do. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you just have to kind of go with one and then just see how you like it. And you can always change it. Like I change, you know, so. Yeah, no, totally. And actually, if we can get, what is the, because you said there's a clear kind of, that's figure, this is bikini. Just if you were to kind of separate the two um, for our listeners, what would be that like definitive point? And also if you, a female was listening and she's interested in competing how might she decide which is for her so obviously again genetics do play a role in this uh if you're somebody who has very wide set shoulders um and you already like if you're somebody who just like kind of works out and you have shoulders and like a thick back and like decent quads i would probably say maybe try to go in the figure division if you like that look um because basically the biggest thing with figure is this uh you know they want the cap shoulders they want the dense full back. Mm -hmm. um, they want the quad sweep. They want the hamstrings that are visible and kind of hanging. Whereas in bikini, you have hamstrings and glutes, but they're just, you know, 
tight and kind of lean enough, but it's not necessarily the muscle density is really the biggest difference. And some people have obviously an easier time putting on muscle than others. And, you know, some people have a frame that just looks more, you know, suited for figure as far as again, like the the broadness, I guess. Um, that's why I always did okay ish in figure. Like if I had maybe like 20 more pounds of muscle on me, (laughs) but, uh, it's just hard for me to get that big. So, um, especially in the NPC IFBB level, it's just a completely different animal. Um, and if you look at the really top girls too, they all have these really, really in all the divisions, the top girls have tiny waists, but in figure more so, um, because you're standing straight on and you can't really hide stuff. Whereas in yeah. bikini, you can, you know, you're twisting and you're posing a lot differently. So I would say the muscle density is really the biggest thing. And then, yeah, having like big lats and like big legs is really, you know, you need that in figure. Whereas in bikini, you know, you can have, you know, in shape, muscular, you know, some kind of muscle, but not necessarily like this density. Mm-hmm. I guess that's why it's similar to like men's physique and then men's bodybuilding, kind of men's physiques really growing in popularity because you don't need as much muscle necessarily mm-hmm. and legs aren't a component and a lot of guys haven't necessarily started training their legs so bikini could be a bit of a an easier platform for some females to get into wet their feet and oh, then sure. go into trained figure once they've got that density of muscularity so it yeah it's I think it's really good that it's there. Um, I think it pro- people, I think from the outside in, probably don't understand it as well as maybe they should be. Largely, I think, because it's probably called bikini. Um, it kind of makes it sound a bit, you think of bikini, you just think of girls on the beach, you think that's what they're looking for. But obviously, it's developed from there. And um, it's fascinating for someone who is so involved within it to talk about it and talk about the developments that they think are going to happen within that. Um in terms of its growth, and I know we, we said we were going to talk about this, and this relates to some of your kind of research. There's been a lot of females who, I mean, you see all these physiques on Instagram and you see all these food posts, and there is definitely now a development of kind of eating disorders and kind of almost body dysmorphia within female competitors. Uh, and hopefully this is kind of dying out a little bit, like, as more education is coming out but it's also i guess growing because there's people getting into it without knowing any better um so it's kind of like a a bit of a bash of heads how have you dealt with this as like a coach online how do you kind of i know you share lots of good information you try and kind of get across to people um what have you seen happen i mean are you seeing an increase a decrease how many people are you seeing that are falling into this kind of trap i like you said, I think that people are becoming more educated. Um, I think people are recognizing that they're having a problem, whereas beforehand, maybe they didn't recognize it and they thought, oh, everyone does this or everyone feels this way. So I think with the with more education, people are understanding that, okay, this isn't normal. Um, I maybe need help or I maybe need to change my behaviors. Um, you know, some people do develop true eating disorders, but I would say that most people are just have disordered eating, which is, you know, still nothing to joke about, but it's, you know, most people have some sort of disordered eating tendencies within competing as definitely body dysmorphia as well. Um, simply due to the fact of the nature of the competition, you work really, really hard to change your body composition, to be very, very lean for one day. You have the fancy suit, you have the tan, your hair and makeup is done. Like you look gorgeous. Like everyone's complimenting you. So you're literally setting the, the, you're fueling the fire to like have body dysmorphia because you only look like that on one day. And I'll tell every single person here, 
98% of competitors look their best on their show day and that's it. Um, now best is obviously defined by what you think is best, but as far as that look goes, most people do not look like that year round. There are people who do, but for the most part, most people do not look like that. So I think what happens is, you know, you kind of set up that you like live through your pictures and you live through people's comments and compliments. And then you're like, Oh my God, I don't feel worthy anymore. I don't look like this. And it's just, it's just the nature of competing. So I think everyone will go through that at some point. Um, even the most like resilient people, uh, with like body image, the positivity, there's just, it's just the way that the competing set up as far as the disordered eating, as far as like a competitor and a coach goes, like I said, I do think it's getting better as far as people understanding, but there's just so many more people doing this now that I don't think the numbers have decreased necessarily, but there's a lot better grasp, I think on people with, okay, I have an off season and I have a prep. Now I still have a bunch of people come to me, whether they're competitors or not, and they still don't have that idea. They they just have the like, oh, I'm gonna diet, I'm gonna diet, I'm gonna diet, I'm gonna do something. And for most clients, I would say that I well, I don't typically diet anyone without working with them off season. Um, even if it's like a month, like just to you know, right. like if somebody's like, hey, I'm not doing a bunch of cardio and I'm eating a lot of food and I'm mentally in a great place, I'm still like, hey, let's like just you know maintain again for like a month and then we can diet. Most people come to me and they're like a mess and I'm like, okay, we have at least, at least three months. Then we can kind of reassess. That's like my usual spot is like, okay, let's, let's dedicate at least three months to this, see where you're at. And then we'll kind of move forward. Um, some people, it takes a lot longer. Some people take six months to, you know, work on these things. And, you know, sometimes it's just like a lifelong every week, somebody's working on this. So I'm never going to pretend that I'm a therapist or a psychologist or anyone in that area. But for the most part, um, you know, if somebody's really has serious issues and I refer out because I'm like, you know, I really think that you need some specialized help. But most people, like I said, kind of fall within that like eating disorder, like disordered eating tendency, not necessarily eating disorder. So working through that, um, trying to add, you know, honestly, just telling them straight up like, Hey, we're not dieting. You don't need to be worried about that. Um, and just being honest with people from the beginning is usually really helpful. Now, obviously I'll lose some people when they reach out to me like, Hey, I want to diet. I'm like, no. And you know, but that those people are at some point going to go through that cycle enough times to know, Oh, I need to stop. So it's a hard conversation to have, uh, with people and it's a hard thing to work on, but honestly it just takes time and it takes somebody, you know, you have to be, you have to be upfront with them and say, Hey, I think we need to take at least three months to kind of do this work on other things outside of your body weight, outside of just, you know, what you're eating and um, kind of shift that focus a little bit. And then we can kind of get back to that at some point. So that's kind of how I handle it. I don't know how other coaches do, but I think that that's the best way I've found at this point. No, I completely agree. I've, I've had tough conversations with people who have come to me who they're just not in a state to compete. Um, maybe they've compete the year before and they haven't given themselves that break they've just kind of come out of the show maybe they've had that post-show binge and then they've tried to diet again and what people don't realize is that the body needs time at maintenance and it's like as a coach it's a horrible thing to tell someone like you actually we can't work towards your goals yet like we, we are working towards your goals like maintenance is a goal like building up your calories so you're eating a good amount you're not diet fatigued when you shouldn't be is a good goal and in the long term, that's going to get you to your goal. But people are so short-minded, um, they just don't focus on any of those positives. So I think it it takes a it's really hard. And I think people like you and me and lots of other people in the industry are doing a great service by educating people in in the importance of 
like human health our body isn't just a machine that you can just keep attacking and hope that it will no. respond you have to kind of i forget what the quote is i think it's from scott abel it's like if you shock the body it will react if you uh coax the body it will respond and in many ways that that works incredibly Ooh, i like that, that is really true yeah for a lot of um bikini competitors and when you said you said like three months and i'm exactly the same people think if they overeat or kind of eat at maintenance for two weeks they're back but as you said like this process takes time doesn't it like and you're developing that kind of um it's not just psychological and it's physiological so how yeah, there's you... a lot of things too yeah, most go... people i mean for the most part uh unless somebody is exactly where they want to be as far as a competitive weight and body composition most people are going to need off-season time <clears throat> to build up areas now there are certain people and again, this, this comes with very like advanced level competitors. I'll use my client as an example, Jenna. We worked together about six to seven months for an off season. She came to me in a great place. We built things up, you know, added in muscle where she needed to. Started dieting in January, and we've done several shows. And in that time frame, kind of reversed in between the shows. Cool. And she's going to compete again. This is maybe her fourth show this year at Nationals. And she's really close. She got third at USA's. She was almost got her pro card. So she's right there. And we didn't really need to make changes. So for somebody like that, we'd say, okay, we're going to reverse for a few weeks and then we'll get back to a diet. But that's a totally different instance. Most people are not at that level in order to do that. So what most people don't realize is they're like, I just want to do another show. Well, you're not ready to do another show. Like, you know, you didn't, your physique isn't developed enough to do another show. Um, I mean, you can, of course, if everyone wants to just do a show, that's way different. Like, Hey, I have the goal to do a show totally different than like I'm trying to win a show or like turn pro that's a whole different ball game like you have to really set things up so like you can't compete too late in the year because then you have to start reversing and then diet again like it has to be there's strategy to it so unless you look exactly how you want to look and you think that you have a turning pro body it is it does take time you know you do need that off season just time period for training hard to recover to get your metabolism back up you know hormones and function all of those things are really important so I would encourage everyone to look at maintenance as a goal and not just look at it as something that's, you know, like, Oh, this is just whatever. And I've been guilty of that too. I think a lot of people are like, yeah. Oh, it's off season, whatever. And it's, you know, and I, that's something I'm still learning too. everyone. So don't think that I'm like talking down to anyone. It's literally an ongoing process that you have to realize um, is just as important as the diet. And I think, so you touched on something important there was that this competitor that you have is advanced. So, something I've definitely noticed is after doing kind of, I did a contest prep in 2014, I'm doing one now, every time it gets easier to get leaner or at least stay leaner as well. So you'll get people doing their maybe first bikini show and then they're like, oh, I got an amazing shape. I should just be able to sustain this year round. Look at all these other bikini competitors doing it. And some can do it and they're normally quite advanced. So they've kind of, if people, I don't know if you've, what your thoughts are on body fat set points and that sort of theory um, but I've definitely seen it play out where people can get lean and then they kind of every time they get lean they can bring that set point slightly down or at least it just appears that they can stay leaner it becomes easier for them whereas I think a lot of people look up to that as the goal immediately whereas it's again a long-term thing that's very yeah that's very very long term and I think a lot of people a lot of males seem to do that, or at least bodybuilders seem to do that because they don't compete as much. So I don't find that a lot of bikini competitors in my experience have been able to do that. 
Um, it's just harder for females in general, obviously, to maintain a lower body fat level. Um, there are some people who are more ectomorphs who just stay leaner kind of in despite of eating a lot of calories. Um, but for the majority of people, I would say that what happens is they start competing. And it, it's interesting, too. I think that the psychology of bikini and men's physique is way different than bodybuilding because with bodybuilding, you know, like, you have to take off time to add muscle because you're probably not muscular enough with bikini and men's physique. Most people are like, Oh, I look pretty good. Like I look good enough and I'll just keep going. So what ends up happening is I feel like sometimes the people who are in those divisions, bikini and men's physique have to end up dieting harder because they're having all these negative side effects because of all of the trying to compete. So they'll gain a little bit of weight and then they're like, Oh shit, I got to do another show. And then they kind of keep doing this. Whereas with bodybuilding, a lot of people will take, you know, time off or like even, I mean, even like the top guys of the Olympia usually compete once or twice a year, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, um, the top five guys don't cause they've already qualified, it, you know, like they're, or they compete in like a four week period, yeah. you know? So it, it's really, it's just a good, interesting dynamic. So I find that if you do it right, you can do that. Um, but it, it is very challenging. I find in that, in those divisions, particularly just because of the way that it's set up and, um, especially if you are somebody who's trying to turn pro, it's very competitive. And, um, you know, if you're really close, you want to keep going. Or if you think you're close, even though you're not, you're like, oh, I want to just do another show. And then it just becomes this whole snowball effect. And I've been there too. You know, we've all, we've all made those mistakes and then maybe not everyone, but I have. Mm-hmm. So I know as a coach now to try to steer people away from that, hopefully. Um, and, but yeah, so it, it, I find that it's a little bit more challenging with the bikini division to do that but if you it is possible Mm -hmm. no i guess it's that is interesting in that yeah for bodybuilders it is always about yes i can always there's always the goal of adding more muscle like that's always a goal whereas yeah for especially for yeah sports like bikini in that yeah you you might have more you may even end up adding too much muscle if you had that too much as a focus and so it does then become a time of which that maintenance period does become less alluring and that off season becomes less alluring you don't do want to try and stay super lean all the time and then yeah i mean there's i i've heard of bikini competitors who are on horrendous diets for years like trying to maintain something that's they're maintaining it but it's not sustainable because they are going to crash and whether they crash sooner or later it's going to happen um so in that brings us to a good point in terms of kind of trying to shift our focus maybe away from the physique at times and more towards kind of your training structure and kind of trying to focus more on kind of performance in the gym how do you structure that how do you get your athletes to think about that or even yourself so it is like like we talked about it is challenging but um i think that in the off season it's it is necessary to kind of have these training goals and to think because for so long when when you're prepping you kind of forget how like it feels good to like eat and like recover because you're so used to it for like if you are doing like an extended diet you're like oh i just feel like shit 24 7 it's fine but really you shouldn't feel like that right like as a as a true athlete or somebody who's you know working out you should have enough calories to like recover so i think a big part of shifting the focus is okay we're going to be eating more food so let's actually use it and train hard in the gym and i think that that once people get that it's like it's so much better in my opinion um and you know as far as like the actual training it's you know like i i care less about the exact specifics there's so many different ways to set up a training program there's so many different ways to train effectively um you know you can train 
every body part once a week. You can train it three times a week. You can do full body every day, but only do it three days a week. I mean, everyone has a different schedule and a different setup and different imbalances that they need to work on. But as a general whole, I would say that training hard, whatever that looks like to you, and consistently is going to be really important. The thing that I find then once we do shift the focus to training is most females <laughs> uh, will always want to do more and more and more. Yeah. So um, Ryan, you know, helps me write the training programs because I'm good at like, I'm like, oh, we can do this, you know, but he's really good at like writing it down uh, and like planning it out. Whereas I'm more just like, yeah, I'll just go. Like I, I just, I intuitively know a lot of stuff about training and that just, yeah. I don't know. So what I find is like a lot of the, like we'll write stuff and then the girls were like, I don't feel like I'm doing enough. I'm like, doing more isn't always better. Yeah. Just because you're like hopping around on a box for like 20 minutes doesn't mean that you're doing more necessarily. Right. Um, and I think that mindset is different too. And also like, say you're, say the exercise, whatever, it's something at three by 12, right? You can half ass three by 12 really easily, yeah. or you can get a lot out of three by 12. That's just an example of, of something, right? So I think also changing the intent on how you're training, changing the overall, you know, just like the amount of effort that you put into it, um, you know, whether it's the mind muscle connection or like, okay, I'm actually just going to like work really hard on these, these 12 reps in the set. I'm going to keep pushing weight. Um, most people, it's really hard to add a bunch of muscle. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, honestly, like yeah. some, some girls think that they just, and I'm most girls who think that they're getting very muscular are usually just not lean enough. Like they're just, you know, they're in a period where they're, you know, heavier. So you're gaining your body fat around the muscle. So it just looks bigger. But once you diet down, I, I, every year I'm like, Oh, I gained more muscle. And then I die. I'm like, no. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's actually very challenging and maybe I'm on the low end of the spectrum. I, I definitely know there's people like my friend Celeste can like look at weights and like gain mm -hmm. muscle, but that's very uncommon. You know what I mean? Like for the most part, most people have to train very, very hard to add muscle and everyone, the glutes are muscle. So you have to train them. Um, and you know, I know that was probably like a weird way of answering your question, but hopefully that was, <laughs> no, it does. And I mean, alongside that, then do you focus on when we're talking about kind of building back the metabolism, getting healthy again, and potentially working on weak points? Do you put people in a surplus, or do you focus like for females, or do you focus on more just kind of a healthy maintenance intake and just hoping to kind of see some body re recomposition through hard training? It really just depends on the client. Um, some people, I mean, honestly, everyone's intake is so different. It's mm -hmm. so dependent on their just, I mean, their dieting history, their body weight, body comp, body height, you know, like all these different things. Um, some people come to me eating a lot and then we kind of just maintain a little bit from there and then tweak things slightly. Some people are like, oh, I'm maintaining on 120 carbs. And you're like, oh my gosh. So you're dieting right now, you know? So, uh, it really just depends on the individual and maintenance is always this kind of like moving yeah. target anyway. I find, um, it's really hard to kind of pinpoint what that would be in, in my experience. So, um, you know, when I diet people, I do keep refeeds in and at some point, you know, those are at estimated, you know, maintenance based on what they were maintaining before. But at some point I do cut those two mm -hmm. when, you know, when calories need to get lower. So at, you know, where is maintenance? We don't really know. Um, so pretty much what I like to do immediately post diet, whether this is a competition or a regular diet is to just kind of get calories back up fairly quickly. Not like, you know, like, you know, don't go from like a thousand to 3000, obviously, but yeah. you know, get it back a little bit get it significantly higher than kind of maintain there and then start adding in from there. Because I found that, uh, 
and this is along the lines of like the 3DMJ recovery diet, you know, how they, they talk about adding in calories fairly quickly and then kind of going from there. And I've just found that adherence is way better. Mm -hmm. I could never adhere to a super strict reverse diet. That was like, you know, a little bit higher than what I was dieting on. It just wasn't for me. And I started finding that other people couldn't either. So I was like, maybe there's a better way to do this. Um, and people feel better, you know, too, especially if they're a competitor, like if they're, if it's just like a lifestyle diet and you're not super lean, that's a little bit different. But if you're a competitor and you're actually lean, Mm -hmm. you don't feel good and you don't want to be there. So getting calories up significantly ish within the first few weeks, I feel like, yeah, significant is different for every body and where you were. I find is a lot better and people actually stick to that. And then yeah. they're like, Oh, I feel good. And I'm sticking to this. And, um, you know, then we kind of go from there. Do you ever find you have athletes or bikini competitors who they want to do that slow reverse and they actually, I mean, I'm assuming a lot of the ones who do do the more aggressive recovery diet approach, they get hung up on maybe the scale or how they're looking and they're losing their kind of their leanness very quickly. How do you battle that with them? Because some are very attached to it. I'm just very honest with people. And I think if, if somebody, if somebody works with me for a diet, they kind of know what I'm about, uh, what am I about? Uh, or what I would recommend. So pretty much when I, I, I just have to console and coach them to say, Hey, just trust me on this. We're going to do it for a few weeks. And most people find that I find that most people respond far better to that. Um, and when people do come to me with these ideas of like, I just really want to slow, slow, slow reverse. And I'm like, it's not, once you explain usually to people that it's not as good of an idea as I think it is, I think a lot of people, um, will, will be on board with it. Now, if they're not, then maybe they don't, they're like, okay, see ya. I'm going to go work with another coach. And that's fine. You know, I'm not going to change what I think is best for you because you're trying to, now there are instances of course, when somebody, you know, if I was like, okay, I'd rather have our calories here, but somebody has been, you know, just really struggling with their off season and we have given me some time, you know, there's always instances where things change, you know? Um, so I'm not going to say like, Oh, you're listening to me or we're not doing it. Like, of course not. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's all based on the individual and where they're at. But for the most part, I think once you coach people on like, hey, this is actually better, give it a few weeks and then we'll go slowly and you'll be happier. Perfect. I think they're they're usually good. And are you, when you are reversing them out or kind of recovering them out, are you looking for a certain maybe percentage of body weight above their stage weight or are you looking more towards how they feeling, how, they feel. how, they're, yeah, how they're reporting to you? It really goes by feel because again, everyone gains weight differently. Mm-hmm. There are some people who can gain a few pounds and feel fantastic. And there's some people who have to gain more weight to feel yeah. good. Um, so on my, you know, the way that I do my updates, half of it is, you know, numbers based, you know, weights and macros. And then the other half is all just questions that I have for them that, you know, that they need to answer that I can respond back to. And, um, that way I get a feel for what's actually going on. If you just look at numbers, you have no idea what's going on with somebody. So, um, you really have to understand where they're at. So I ask those questions, you know, that like, how are you feeling mentally? Like how is training in the gym? Like what's your adherence? Like, you know, all those things that way they can actually go, okay, they have an opportunity to tell me how they're feeling. And usually people are pretty honest. Um, now if, if I feel like somebody's not really saying something, I'll be like, Hey, like, you know, what's going on or is this good or no, whatever. But for the most part, people are usually pretty honest. when you give them the platform, like on the update sheet, most people are, are pretty honest with stuff. And, um, and I guess that's where you've already developed 
that coach and client relationship where they feel they can trust you and they feel like they can tell you anything. And I think this is something I find really valuable as an online coach is the fact we're so lucky that we can do, I mean, if you needed to, you could schedule a Skype with them. You could get a video update from them. Um, It's not like you're limited to just the numbers. And like you said, I mean, the numbers are great, but they don't tell the whole story at all. Uh, There's so much psychology involved. Um, So no, I think that, that, that really, really is good and i don't know if we've talked about a lot there and i don't know if there's anything else you want to include or add to what we've spoken about but um i think that gives our listeners a really good idea of kind of what bikini is right now uh, where it's come from and kind of some of the troubles that are there at the moment and actually how best to deal with them i think that uh, that's been really helpful i think Oh, good. Yeah, I, I, I always kind of just talk in uh, about a, different, a bunch of different topics. So hopefully that was pinpointed enough for you guys. Um, but I think we talked about a lot of bunch of cool, cool things that everyone will be able to take away. So no, definitely. <laughs> and I don't know how open you are to kind of receiving questions or potentially coming back on. But if it has opened the floor to because we haven't spoken about kind of bikini competitor and some of these subjects okay, that yeah. much. Um, so if there are questions, would you be willing to kind of come on again? If there was yeah, of some things, people, that'd be amazing. So yeah, 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 yeah. If- no, for sure. If there, um, you know, if there's a, a huge response to this and there's like a, a follow-up and then we can do more like a Q and a style, I would love to do that. Amazing. Um, for cool. sure. I love podcasts though. <laughs> awesome. Cheers, Lauren. And uh, guys, so if you have got questions, please do post them below because we'll get Lauren on again um, and we can talk more about this because it's pretty cool stuff and uh, anything physique and like, yeah, this sort of stuff is really interesting. So um, thank you so much for coming on. And if people want to get in contact with you, where would you say is the best place for people to reach out? So my website for anything that's related to services, that's uh laurenconlin.com just spell my name right it's l-a-u-r-i-n and you'll find it uh everything is on there uh, my social medias are all at lauren conlin or just my name just fully uh so you can check everything out there so yeah that's usually where people uh reach me awesome and i'll make sure i link them in the description box below and so people can get those directly and i know lauren is actually pretty active over on facebook particularly and also on instagram so um you can enjoy I'm trying the route. facebook thing <laughs> No, I mean, I <laughs> the, the, the posts I've seen, I've enjoyed. So I'm sure our audience will really okay. enjoy them. So definitely go and head over there and give Lauren a follow. So thank you so much again for coming on. Thank you guys for listening and we will catch you soon.